that would be me. Praise the Lord, everyone. I greet you in the name of Jesus, which is still the only name under heaven given among men whereby we, whereby we must be saved. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Her name is actually Marcia June Star Ballastero. Well, the star's gone, but I just call her Sister Honey, because I hate just to say, Honey, come on up to the platform, but I want Sister Ballastero to come to the platform, better known as Sister Honey in private times. <laughs> Minister to me. Well, I feel laid back myself this morning a little bit, so I'm going to sing a kind of laid back song, but it has a lot of meaning because God has been faithful to me. I've had a lot of prayers, more than usual in the last couple of years since my husband resigned as pastor and... I had a little grandson I was raising. I didn't really want to give him up. But the situation, I prayed and said, God, you know what's best. I had a son that was backslid, and I was just not wanting to leave him, 19 years old. And I just began to pray about it. I really had no home. We lived in a parsonage. And all of a sudden... Uh, about six months went by, and my son called me one day. He lives in Florida. He said, Mom, I want the baby. I said, well, call and ask the mama. I had him 90% of the time. She lived there. She didn't. Uh, we're still peaceable and close. God has granted us that. She didn't have the endurance. She had a couple of more after my son and her separated. So the situation was pretty sad. And I said, God, I don't want a little Ballastero walking around here raised not knowing you. And when he called her, she said, yeah, I knew that was coming. He lived in Florida. We were in South Bend, Indiana. So in November of last year, all of a sudden I came in one day. My son was very tender-hearted but still hard-headed, <laughs> and uh, he's crying. He'd called everybody in the family. It was just seemed like out of the blue. I'd prayed for it, but sometimes we act surprised when God answers our prayer. We think he doesn't really notice, that he doesn't know where we're at, and our heart is heavy, but God is working. Sometimes it looks like it's taking a bad road, but he works. When we, we think that he's not there, he's still faithful. Even when we're bad, even when we're not doing right, God's still there. We don't quit loving our kids because they're naughty. We don't always spank them every time either. We look at the situation, and I believe God is the most faithful. He is the most faithful of anybody. There's nobody as faithful as him. I'm going to 
try to sing this.
Aren't you glad he's been faithful? I love that old girl. She's just wild about me. It's good to be here with you all. And uh, we have certainly enjoyed our, our visit. Precious times of fellowship with the pastor and his family. And... Uh, Good saints of God here. You all have been so kind to us and thoughtful, and I appreciate it so very much. I, um, I'm directing your attention this morning to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, and uh, I am reading verse 5 and verse 6. Mostly just us here today, ain't it? My mama don't like me to say ain't, but I can't bring myself to say arsn't. So I, 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 I see this mainly just us home folks here today. And I really wasn't certain why I felt on my heart what I did. I listened to the first song your pastor sang and kind of tried to reconfirm in my own heart what's, what I'm feeling. Can I just talk to you all this morning? Can, can I just talk to you from my heart? And, uh, uh, I, I really can't give you anything. And it do anything for you until it's first done something for me. I'm just passing on information otherwise is all I'm doing. But I can't really connect with you. And I can't really uh, see the Holy Ghost minister to you the way that I'd like to see it minister to you. Unless I have been there, felt that, done that, seen that, know that for sure. You know, and I... I just want to I just want to talk to you from my heart today. Can I do that? Proverbs chapter 3 verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy way acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Would you pray and ask God's blessing on the ministry of the word. Heavenly Father, I invite you to have your way today. Speak to our hearts through your word. I pray, God, that you'll be pleased to minister to the needs of each and every soul that's here today. I pray, God, for your special blessing in this service. I ask for your anointing. I ask for liberty in the Holy Ghost. I need you today, Lord Jesus. Oh, my God, thy name be praised. Magnify your name today. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. I would like today to preach to you on this subject. you got to trust Him. I think one of the things that go along with being human 
and pardon me ladies, but being male, is this thing called independence, where you get old enough to cut the apron strings and be your own man, do your own thing. It starts out when you're just even less than two years old, you want to put your own clothes on, and you want to feed yourself. And parents start allowing the children to do that because it's all part of a process. We like to see kids get, you know, it's kind of sad when you're 56 years old and you're still, uh, you know, having to get allowance money from mama. And, uh, you, you know, you, you never even, the thought about getting married never entered your head. You just, you know, staying around the house. Normally, I understand there's mitigating circumstances, but there's, as a rule, it's common behavior for folks when they get to a certain age to start realizing there's members of the opposite sex, and you know, to get married and want to have a job, want to get a job, and, and this type of thing. And not be dependent upon mama and daddy for their groceries and everything else. Uh, I, I don't know why I'm saying that. I've got kids 34, 35 years old, and you still, I don't know when you ever stop helping them, but you, it's, and I'm not, I'm not finding fault with that. I, we've all made it this far because somebody helped us. The point I'm trying to make and not doing a very good job is, is that it is normal for there to be independence exercised in humans in relationship to other humans. But when it comes to relationship with God, God doesn't want us to be independent. He wants us to be dependent upon Him. He wants us to say, I don't know how to walk without you. I don't know how to go out or to come in. I, I need you to guide me today. I need you to, to direct me. I don't want to make any mistakes. You see, I preach that there's no such thing as a mistake. Uh, when you submit your life to God, I, I think bad choices... Uh, are no accident. When you make a bad choice, you've had to remove God out of the equation because if we acknowledge Him in all of our ways, the book said He shall direct our paths. And if you got God directing your paths, there's no mistake there. You see what I'm trying to say? When you say, if you acknowledge Him in all your ways, it's like the first time I come to the South to preach. I was preaching for Brother Ray Majors in Melville. We was going down the road doing four to five miles an hour. We come by this one house, and he said, did they speak? It's summertime. The windows are rolled up, air conditioner going. And he's asking me, did they speak? And the people are 300 feet from the car. And I said, well, if they did, I didn't hear them. He said, no, did they raise their hand? He said, down here, that means they spoke. So, yeah, they spoke. They raised the hand when we come by. I was one of them dumb Yankees just, you know, come to the real world down here learning some of the ways. Now, when you drive down country roads, and uh, I don't know that you all didn't see, haven't seen it too much since I've been up and down 90 here, but you get out off of the main Roads every now and then in some parts of the country, you see folks raise a finger or two off the steering wheel when they pass you on the road. That, 
they're not flirting with you. They're just being cordial. They're just being hospitable. They're just reckon, howdy, how y'all doing kind of thing. That does, that's not what the book is saying here when you say, Lord, hey, Lord, how y'all doing? That's not what that means when you say acknowledge him. When you acknowledge him, that means that you are including him in the equation, saying, God, I need you to be part of what I'm doing right here. And if you will include him in that equation, he will direct your past. Uh, maybe, maybe it's hard for you to understand, and maybe it's not. But, oh Lord, I, I really don't know which part of the pool to jump in on this one. I know I'm going to get wet before it's all over with, but I'm just going to go ahead and just hold my nose and dive in the water. Is that all right? My wife and I were probably going through the the most severe testing of our pastorate, and we'd been there about 17 years by this time. And my wife is not one of these kind of ladies that just cries, to be crying or to be heard or seen or to get her way or whatever. And when she cries, it's pretty serious stuff. And if I have one eye and half sense, I need to pay attention to what's going on. That's a good time for me to just drop whatever I'm doing and see what, what made Mama cry. I might be ugly, but I'm not ignorant. You know, we, we, we catch on pretty fast to some things. Well, sir... It was one of those, you know, when people, people that you love can hurt you the most. And it looked like, it looked like there was just a, a horrible situation that we just couldn't get past. And I, my wife turns to me in the front room and she said this one particular Monday morning, she said, baby, I don't even know if God knows where we're at. And she was crying, had a little Kleenex and daubing her nose. And I turned to her, and I pointed my finger at her, and I hollered. I said, don't you ever say that. And she kind of snubbed around a little bit because I'd never raised my voice and hollered at her like that. While my finger is still pointing at her, the question comes across my mind, how do you know that God knows where you're at? Well, I didn't. But while my finger is still out there, the telephone rings, and Brother Coleman Pilot calls me, and I, I've shaken hands with him maybe three, four, five times in my life. We've never gone out to eat together, don't really run in the same circles, precious man, but I, I mean, we just, I just know of him, and he knew of me. But he called me, and he said, Brother Ballestero, I don't know why I'm calling you, but for about the last three hours I've been at the church praying and the Lord wouldn't let you and your wife off of my heart. He said, I, I, he told me to call you and tell you. He said, this sounds crazy. But he told me to call you and tell you he knows where you're at. And I began to cry and talk in tongues right on that telephone. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that God knows what you're going through. He sees where you're at. He sees your joy, your pain, your difficulty. He sees what the devil tries to do to you. He sees your own weakness and how you flail and how you try to survive. There's nothing that you experience that God doesn't see you go through. He sees the disease that's trying to work in your body at this very moment. 
I'm telling you, there's nothing that's happening in your life but what God is not aware of. But somehow he says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Why don't we just lift our hands and thank him for his love right now, for his guidance, for his protection. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, my God. When I resigned, when I resigned Christ Temple, where I had been for a number of years, my father had been there for 12 years, I was an associate pastor for two years, and then I was a pastor for 26, so I was there in pastoral leadership for 28 years, a pastor in Oklahoma a couple years prior to that. But actually, 40 years connected with that same church. Here I am when I resigned. I was 55. I had taken all the money that I had received from the church and basically just tried to help keep things going. We were struggling. The church was struggling. I probably made less than anybody in the whole church. I don't have a sob story to tell you God's been good to me, and I'm not saying that to influence anybody's offering. God's been more than wonderful to me. Please. I'm just trying to make a point to you. I I hadn't tried to take care of me. I was just trying to take care of the work of God. And uh, I had given my money to missions and to to whatever. And, And it so happened that here I am, I'm 55. I feel in the Holy Ghost that it's time for me to move on and for the what's best for the church and for me. And it's the worst time as far as the natural, the flesh, to make this kind of decision because I have no house. I've been living in a parsonage. I have nowhere to go. I don't have one revival. I don't have a trailer. I don't even have a savings account. I, I, but yet I knew this was the will of God. It so happened that 26 years before, somebody had wronged me, had been ugly to me. I never talked about them. I never said unkind words about the people. I just left them alone. And uh, I, I just let me just throw that out there. And I, uh, I'd see them in the mall and I'd speak to them, howdy with them, but that was about it. So here I am, I've resigned the church, I've taken a step of faith, and I, I driving down the highway, and my front left tire blows out. I'm 700 miles from home, and I thought, oh, God, it's just something else to go wrong. I've got $150 in cash on me. Uh, I've, I've got to buy another tank of gas. We've got to eat supper that night. Before we get to the place where we're going to go, preach the weekend there. And if they give me a check, you know, I'm going to have to use the cash I got to get back home. Because I need to leave early in the morning. It's a long day's drive kind of thing. And yada, yada, yada. So I I get out and I change a tire. And I go into a Sam's Wholesale Club. Y'all got Sam's down here, don't you? I go to a Sam's because I, that's where I bought the tire originally and it had this road hazard thing. And I thought, well, maybe they'll make some kind of adjustment on my tire. 
And I walk in there and I tell the man what my problem was. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, what happened is that when the tire blew, the tread just came off all the way around the tire. The air stayed in the, inside the steel, but the tread came off. I, I don't know if it was one of them Firestone jobs or what. But anyway, he said, I, you buy two tires and I'll give you two. That's four tires for the price of two. That will be $102. Well, that's not a bad price for four tires, but when all you got's 150 and you got to buy gas and you got to feed mama and yourself, you know, and maybe buy a second tank of gas to get back home, it's cutting it pretty close. And I'm standing there at the counter thinking, oh, should I, should I not? And I just felt impressed to go ahead and do it. And I said, go ahead. And he turned around and hollered the order on this car out here. And when he did that, I felt a tap on my hand. And I turned, and a man I gauged to be about in his 70s laid a $100 bill in my hand and turned and walked out the door without a word. And I stood at the counter of Sam's Wholesale Club Tire Department, and I said, God, I want to thank you. I began to thank the Lord right there at the counter. It was like the Lord said, I figured out how to get you four new tires for $2. But before I could bless you, I had to let you have a blowout. Sometimes all we can see in life is the blowouts. And all we can see is the pain. And all we can see is the hurt. And all we can see is the injury. And we can't see how God is trying to work for our good in this problem, in this situation. I want you to know God knows where you're at. I got back home. And it... This people that had wronged me, I invited them to our church. I stood up and I forgave the people, had them come by now. It was just a lady there. She was in her 70s. I, I hugged her neck on the platform. I said, I have robbed this boy. I mean, I, just, I got just as humble as I could be. And I, and I got as apologetic. Even though I hadn't done one thing, I just took all the blame just to... Let the thing be soothed. And, and here I am. I hadn't, I hadn't, this was just a, a few, well, it wasn't long before I left the church. Just very, very, very close to the end. And do you know that that woman had some property? She had an incorporation. She put my wife's name and my name on as incorporators, on trustees of the incorporation. Within one month she died. And there wound up being a house for my wife and I to have to live in. I'm just trying to tell you that you've got to trust the Lord. It happens because He knows where you're at. You can try to do things on your own. You can try to make your own way of doing things. But God wants you to depend upon Him. I, I, did you tell any of our... I, I, I know... When I resigned the church, I, I had a situation where my, my, one of my son's uh, wife, had, they went through a divorce. His wife was living with some guy in town having babies by him. And he, my boy just moved off to another state to be with one of his brothers. And... Uh, we had a little three, four-year-old grandson that we had pretty much raised ourselves. You know, you never think 
when you're a grandparent that you're going to be raising your grandbabies, you, you, you expect it to happen. Well, mamas, daddies do that. But you don't know what comes down your road. So here we are, we're raising our grandbaby because it's his only chance of find, being able to go to church. His mama's doing drugs and honky-tonking and living in sin. And, and you see this life that, you know, you want to see saved. And my boy doesn't have custody. And so here we are, I've, I'm resigned the church. And yet, if I leave, this baby's in jeopardy. I had a boy, uh, uh, my boy, youngest boy was in high school. He was uh, a senior, and he wasn't doing good in church. He was struggling, and uh, my heart was broken. Here you are, you're trying to save the world, if you will, and your own family is, is struggling. I had a sister in the, in the area that if I left, she was going to be discombobulated and kind of at loose ends and not know what to do in her world. Do you know that miracle of miracles, my son called his ex-wife and said, Hey, when am I going to get to have my boy? She said, Well, I knew this phone call was coming. You can have him. It wound up being just in two months or a month and a half or something like that. My son now has full custody. He lives with my son in, in Florida. Uh, my, my boy, my youngest boy, is in church out in, in California now. They took him home drunk just a couple weeks ago. Uh, my sister is minister of music now. At another, I'm just saying God has a way of taking care of all of your business. You can stay up all night and worry about this and worry about that. But that's why my wife sings, He's Faithful. Because God knows how to take care of your business. He knows all of the stuff that caused you to bite your fingernails. And He knows the things that get you on your knees and lets the tears flow. I'm telling you, you can spend your life in pain and anguish if you will, but there's a God who sees what you're going through. Why don't we just clap our hands and do the Lord and worship Him right now? I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be just a fourth grader, a third grader, and have your mother be stricken with a with a case of polio, and my mother went down, my father was off evangelizing, and the nurse came by, this is back in the 50s when polio just was on the rampage, and the, the visiting nurse said, you, Mrs. Ballesteros, this is polio, and uh, here we are, I've got two sisters in the house, and I'm the oldest one there, and I, it's up to me to try to get whatever meals I can scrounge around the cupboard and make whatever I can make. We were trying to start a little church in this town and didn't really know a lot of folks just real close. And nobody didn't have a telephone. You couldn't call anybody. And I remember about the second or the third day, my mother was just couldn't get up out of the bed, and she was just suffering. And very weakly, she called me to herself, and she said, Marty... Would you put your hand on Mama and pray for Mama that Jesus heal Mama? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, did, I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I wasn't a preacher. I was a little snot-nosed kid that was crying because my mama's sick. But I'm telling you, God hears prayer. And you don't have to be a preacher that's been preaching 45 years for God to hear your prayer. I laid my third-grade hands on her head and said, 
Jesus heal my mama. And do you know, mama got up and shouted all over that room and has never been back in bed with that problem from that day to this. Don't tell me God doesn't hear your prayer. Don't tell me God doesn't see where you're at and what you're going through. In the book, in the book of Deuteronomy, I believe it is. See if I can find it very quickly here. Deuteronomy chapter 33. It was said in verse 24, and of Asher, he said, Let Asher be blessed with children, and let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. The Lord was passing out, oh, blessings and prosperity, and he was allotting uh, inheritances to all of the tribes of Israel. Have you noticed that uh, David said, The lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. What he was saying was that my inheritance was a good godly inheritance, and it was rich, the soil was nice, the countryside was beautiful. Look how nice the trees are where my, my inheritance is. But it doesn't seem to me that Everybody has the same experience with God. There are some folks that go from calamity to calamity. There are some people that go, they, they go through miserable times. And some of y'all know what it's like to maybe live in a nice, comfortable home. And there's other folks, they just struggle to make the light bill every month. And they just, it's a problem to make sure there's enough money for lunch. They, they just, live hand to mouth. If they missed a paycheck, it would send them back a ways. You all know what I'm talking about here today. I, I, I don't have a, a sad story. Let, let me just say this while I'm here. My, my mama taught me about life and living a little bit, and I, I appreciate that. I, I know what it's like to be about in the ninth grade and have nothing but beans to eat for 40 days. No salt, no seasoning, no pork or nothing to put in there, just plain old pinto beans with nothing in them. And we didn't even have a table. I had suitcases with a door laid on top of it, and that's what we set around. My mama would put the plates down there. She said, now, now, do you want a garden salad, coleslaw, or cottage cheese and pineapple? Um... Uh, Cottage cheese and pineapple. And she put a pile of beans. Now, do you want mashed potatoes, baked potatoes, or fried potatoes? Uh, fried potatoes. And so she put another pile. You want pork chops? You want chicken? Or do you want meatloaf? And we tell her, and she put another pile of beans down there. And we learned to laugh going through what we was going through. My mother never let me feel sorry for myself. I thought that's how everybody lived. I didn't even know what a trial was, and I was preaching two years before I found out what a trial was. Because Mother let me, made me feel like this is how folks live. This is nothing, this is nothing you sit down and suck your thumb about and, you know, cry about. Listen, we moved into a house where they had so many dogs, when you laid down fleas, got all over you so bad you had to vacuum them off of you. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And we did not have money. To, we did not have a quarter to buy a gallon of gas or buy any flea powder or nothing. 
my mother and daddy prayed those fleas out of the house. Prayed the fleas out of the house. Don't tell me God can't do stuff like that for you. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you see other people living nice and comfortable, and you wonder, God, how come we're the ones that have to go through all the pain, and we're the ones that have to go through all the difficult times? I don't want anybody to sit here feeling sorry for yourself. I'm just, just, I'm going to show you that God may not change the circumstances for you, but God will help you through those circumstances. He hasn't cast you aside just to let you face this difficulties of the world without his help. David said, the lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. I got a good godly inheritance. But when it came to Asher's, he said, let his foot be dipped in oil. We need to have that anointing come your way. First comes that anointing on you. Then let his feet be shod with shoes of iron and of brass. When you read about where Asher, the tribe of Asher lived, the countryside was that that was one of that was rocky. There was flint and harsh, sharp stones that would cut your feet if you walked barefooted or in light, thin-soled moccasins or sandals. So. If you lived there, you needed to wear a heavier type sandal or a heavier type shoe so you didn't feel all of the discomfort of the, of the countryside. God knows that whether or not your life is smooth. He knows whether or not your world is trouble-free. So He says, if you got uh, to live in a difficult country, I'm going to give you the kind of shoes you can wear. So that when you're walking through the countryside, you won't feel all the rocks. And you won't feel the sharpness of the pain. And you won't feel the injury. I can't change the countryside for you, but I can help you make it through the countryside. I can help you live in the midst of your world. I can help you live through your pain. And somehow you can still come to church and lift your hands in the air and say, The Lord is good. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is no time to complain. It's no time to criticize. It's no time to get envious. But it's time to say, thank you, God, for helping me through my problem. My youngest son worked in a shoe store. Called Shoe Carnival. Y'all have any shoe carnivals down here? Well, they got, I don't know if I've been there more than once, but just, you know, when you go to a shoe store, you tell the guy what you want. Uh, I want some of these in uh, 11D, and I want it in orange. And they bring you what you ask for. But see, when you come to God's shoe store, you don't tell Him what you want. I hate these kind of shoelaces I got on. They come untied. You take about nine steps and you got to du- double tie that bow. It takes me a while to get out of them. But you come to God's shoe store and He 
He said, hey, come here. And you come in. Me? Oh, yeah, you, you come in. You come in. He said, I got some shoes for you. Well, thank you, Lord. Well, that was nice. You know, did you ever get a gift from your wife or your daughter or your son? It may not have been what you would have bought yourself. And you wonder, they thought of me when they saw that. Surely not. I'd have passed that in a heartbeat, man. It wouldn't have turned my head. But you wear it because you're smart. They gave it to you. That's why you wear it. Come on. Father's Day, you get some ties you never would have bought in your life, but you're wearing them anyhow. Can I get a witness? Maybe you're afraid to say amen right now because never mind. We'll just keep moving. But you come into his shoe store, and the Lord said, Malister, i got some shoes for you. Well, thank you, Lord. I appreciate you having me on your mind. Here, put these on. Have you ever noticed when God puts a pair of shoes on you, you don't have to break them in? When you first put them on, they fit the first time. You don't have to go through a big pile of shoes, see if you can find some that fit. You just, like somebody does false teeth, you just, (laughs) just put them shoes on. They fit the first time. Can I get a witness? little private joke over here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the Lord, what kind of shoes are these? He said, well, I call these peace. Peace. You figured I need some shoes called peace? Oh, yes. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that God will give you shoes for the road. And these shoes called peace. He said, the reason I'm giving these to you is because you're getting ready to walk down Turmoil Avenue. There's going to be turmoil in your home. There may be turmoil in your health. There may be turmoil on the job. There might be turmoil in your marriage. But God is able to give you peace that passeth understanding. And when the whole world is rocking, somehow you can still keep on walking. And you can say, God, I thank you for the peace that passeth understanding. I thank you, God, that your help able to help me through my problem. Don't tell me God can't help you. Yes, He can help you. Yes, He will help you. But you've got to let Him put the right kind of shoes on your feet. Say, how in the world is brother so-and-so managing? How in the world is sister so-and-so making through this kind of time? I don't know, and she don't know. But right here is the answer. God get, otherwise your feet would get cut up. You couldn't take another step. But God gives you shoes of iron and of brass. So your feet don't cut up. And you can walk on through your problem. And you can come to church anyhow. You're not going to solve your problem staying home. Come to church anyhow. About the time you think you've made a little progress, you walk past heaven's shoe store one more time. He walks outside and said, Ballesteros, come here. Oh, Lord, does this mean I'm going to go through something else again? And he calls me into his store, and he sets me down. These just come in today for you. 
I call these love. Love. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to walk down rumor alley. Folks are going to talk about you. Say unkind things about you. But I don't want that to distract you. You just keep on walking. You got to keep on walking. I. Folks are going to talk about you. Say unkind things about you. I don't care how hard your times get. I don't care how sick you get, how disappointed, or if people fail you. You've got to keep on walking. God is able to help you through it. You've got to trust God to give you the right kind of shoes to help you through your problem. There's no problem so high. There's no mountain so high. There's no problem so big that God can't help you through your problem. Son, I've got some shoes here. I call these worship. Worship? Uh-huh. Because you're getting ready to walk through a valley called discouragement. And these are the only kind of shoes that's going to walk out of that valley. And if you learn to praise me, have you found out you can worship your way out about it, whatever problem you got? If you'll come to church and you'll pray and you'll come into this service here and begin to magnify the name of the Lord, it won't be long before you're going to be walking out of that valley. Ah, you got shoes that'll help you through your problem. God will give you some shoes of worship where you can stand and praise Him. You can magnify His name. You can exalt Him and lift His name up. Other people may say, I don't feel like praising Him. Oh, my feet's all cut up. Well, you get the right kind of shoes on, and you will praise Him anyhow. You'll praise Him when you lose your job, but you'll still praise Him. You see, this world is gung-ho about this thing called happiness. Well, if it makes you happy, you do it. You just got to do what makes you happy. Well, I want to end this marriage because I'm not happy. Let me explain something to you. The word happy comes from the same Greek root word as happenings. Happiness comes from the same word as happenings. They're connected. Which means that if you have good happenings, you have happiness. If you have bad happenings... Not good English. Pardon me, teacher. You ain't got no happiness. Can I get a witness? You got bad happenings, you ain't got no happiness. That's why you come to church with the corners of your mouth all turned down. But you see, the Bible doesn't stress happiness. It talks about joy. Because joy is not dependent upon happenings. 
That's why you can lose your job and still come to church with a smile on your face and your hands in the air magnifying the name of the Lord. That's why the kids can have the chicken pox and you can still be praising the Lord. That's why David said, I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'll praise Him when I'm driving a Cadillac and I'll praise Him when I'm driving a broke down Ford. I'll praise Him when i got friends and praise Him when I ain't got friends. I'll praise Him when I'm eating steak and I'll praise Him when I'm eating bologna. I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, we could talk about all kinds of shoes. God's got all kinds. And you put them on, yeah. He will, it will help you through what you're going through. When I see some of the stuff that's in front of me, all I know is when I get there and I turn back and I look back, I have to shake my head in amazement. You mean I made it all the way over here? So how did you get through that? How in the world did you ever survive? I don't know. All I know is he gave me shoes for the road. Somehow he's helped me to make it from here, from there to here. This is not by my strength. It's not me. You say, well, I don't know if I could ever live for God like y'all live for Listen, it's not our power. It's not our strength. This says, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. God will give you tough strength for tough days. He'll give you what you need to make it through your problem. He'll give you exactly what you need to survive what you've got to go through. God will not let you face that turmoil. God will not let you face cancer. And God will not let you face that disease without enough strength to go through it. God will help you through your problem. There are some people who want to stick their head in the ground and say, well, all stuff like this couldn't happen to Pentecostal people. Well, you can say whatever you want to, and I'm not here to, to bust your little theory. All I can say is whatever you have to go through in life, He will be more than sufficient to help you through. We started singing this song today, God is so good to me, I can't complain. God, I want to thank you for the shoes you put on my feet. I want to thank you for helping me make it through some tough times. When maybe nobody else understood. Maybe some things you can't even tell your husband because he won't understand. Or maybe you can't even talk to your wife about some things you couldn't tell your children. Or you're afraid to tell your parents. Oh, God. You, I, I, can I just get personal here? I, I'm probably telling too much of myself. I, I, if I had any sense, I wouldn't tell this story. You know, it's, it's pitiful how the devil works on people. And right here in your computer section is where he works on you the most. I had been pastor probably for 15 years. One day I called my daddy up. I want you to understand, before I got the Holy Ghost, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I wasn't immoral. I didn't do drugs. I might have tried to steal cars.
And as a preacher, here I am trying to help everybody else. But somehow the devil found a vulnerable spot in me that one particular day. And it was just one of those days when all of my yesterdays came crashing back down on my head. And uh, if you're a saint, you got, you got somebody you can go talk to. But what if you're a preacher? Who are you going to talk to? You don't know if you can talk to just anybody. You just got to basically talk to Jesus. So my father was pastoring over here at Sulphur. I called him up. Here I am now in my 40s. You'd think I was old enough to know some things. I said, Daddy, I need to talk to you today. I'm having a little bit of a problem with some of my yesterdays. There wasn't anything about me that my daddy didn't know. And I turned the phone up like this where he couldn't hear me snubbing. I'm sitting in the privacy of my bedroom. I have to teach a Bible class in 45 minutes. And I'm still struggling. I had been struggling all day. I, couldn't, I didn't even feel free to share this with my wife. And maybe it was my fault. My daddy's... I felt sorry for him because here's a guy in his 60s. And his son is still going through one of the oldest of all problems. The forgiving yourself kind of thing when the devil tries to tell you God doesn't love you and all this. Other. The devil talks trash to you. I, I, I may be out of line telling what I'm telling you here. But may, may, I, may I just tell you that my father closed the conversation by saying, Son, I want you to know one thing. God is our refuge. And tears were running down my cheek. And I brought the phone down. I said, Thank you, Daddy. I love you. Goodbye. And I just hung the phone up. I had been to church my office all day. And I, I hadn't had one. Oh, I had something I could preach, but nothing I felt to preach. And I walked to the pulpit. They introduced me. And all I had was that one scripture. I had looked it up there at the house where I came to church. And I read there in Psalms where David said something about God is my refuge. That's all I had. And I told the church, I said, I don't know tonight if what I'm preaching is for me or for you. If it's for me, well, then you all just bear with me while I preach to myself here tonight. And I laid the Bible out there. And I announced my text, God is my refuge. Read my scripture, and I had absolutely nothing else to say. And I walked over, and I got me a chair, and I set it down. and it looked like a good thing, so I got me a bunch more chairs, and I just made a circle. And I crawled with a microphone inside that circle. As soon as I sat down, I thought about Job had a hedge around him. And I began to preach. And 45 minutes later, the whole church was crying. We were shouting. I preached my way out of my problem. The Bible said if we preach, we'll save ourselves and them that hear us. The church found victory and relief. And I found victory. Let me tell you, God, I'm just trying to tell you, God will give you what you need to come through your problem. I don't care how hopeless or how miserable or you feel or how human you feel. There's a God who will give you strength for that day and strength for that problem. He will help you through. Clap your hands unto the Lord. John 21, verse number 15. 
John, the last chapter of John, I believe it is, I think it's 21, verse 15. I've got, there's probably another half a dozen pair of shoes I could talk about over there in, in Deuteronomy. But uh, let, me, let me come over here in deference to time today. Talk to me, Elder. This is after the resurrection. Here's Peter and the disciples. They're all out fishing and they're, they're counting the fish out there by the sea uh, side there. And, and Peter's counting, dividing everything up. Let's see, that's uh, one for you and three for me and one for you and two for me. And they're dividing up the catch. It seems to me nowadays a lot of churches don't go fishing anymore. They just want to divide up the catch. Thank God for a church that still wins souls and invites people out to church. Amen. Read on, Elder. Yes, sir. Read on. You're doing good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Read again. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, Lord, you know. Mm-hmm. Feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. My Lord. Mm -hmm. Follow me. Read. He sees John sitting over there. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm hmm. What about John over here? Okay, I'll let you rest a while, Pastor. Thank you. Now, you bear with me while I try to tie this in with what I've been talking about. Here is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says to Peter, do you love me? Lord, I love you. And he asked him that three times. And I haven't got time to go on the importance and the value of, uh, of each Greek word of lovest thou me, each one being more potent and powerful and cogent than the, than the, the prior one. Let me say 
that when he got done asking that, he says to Peter, it looks like he completely changes the subject. And he says, when you was a young man, you got up, put your clothes on, and you went wherever you felt like going. He said, but when you're old, somebody said that's why he didn't have anything to worry about and why he could sleep when he was in prison. He said, when thou art old, he said, you're going to stretch forth your hands and another shall dress thee and lead thee where thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by which death he should glorify God. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that that is the disease called Alzheimer's. But let me just say this much. You stand up, you've got enough strength to stand. But you don't have enough mind to put your own clothes on. Somebody has to dress you. Now, you're healthy enough, you can walk. But you get disoriented and somebody has to bring you back. Take you where you don't even want to go. You're just happy to stay home. But they just walk you out all over the place. So you're healthy enough to walk. But you need somebody to guide you. Now, Peter got to hearing about all this being senile and whatever, whatever you want to call it when he got old. And that wasn't encouraging news. So he says to Jesus, oh, but when Jesus said this, signifying by which death he should glorify God. Now, you ask me how, or you tell me how does God get glory out of dying like that? Here I am, almost 50 years old, and I'm walking with my daddy who has Alzheimer's through a mall in California. My father is, is doing this. The man who could stand up and preach a general conference before thousands of people in his notes be on the back of a calling card. The man whose mind was sharp and was quick. And here's this man now teetering and tottering through the mall. I held my head up as proud as I... That's my daddy on my arm here. And I walked through that mall and I saw this guy look like he was about in his 80s. Big old cigar, foul mouth, cussing, had a 80-year-old guy had a tank top on, muscle kind of shirt and shorts and flip-flops and just walking through there. just. And, and, and I come pretty close to getting mad. And I said, God, why are you letting that old buzzard live? Look at my, why, why, can't, why can't he have what my daddy has? If my daddy had the strength that he's showing and the sharpness of mind that man's shown, my daddy could still be a blessing to your work, God. Why, why is this happening to my daddy? And I knew you're not supposed to ask these why questions to God. I'm a preacher. I'm not supposed to know that kind of stuff. But the human side of me went to defending my daddy. And I looked at all that, and I was reminded of the Scripture that said, Follow thou me. The only requirement, the only answer that Jesus had for Peter was, you just keep on following me. You've got to trust Him no matter whether it looks like they're healthy and you're not healthy. They're rich and you're not rich. They've got everything and you've got nothing. You just keep on following Him. Because He knows your, your business. He knows how to take care of you. You're in His hand. He hasn't forgotten you. 
He loves you. He's protecting you. Don't ask Him why. We won't understand why. We may never know why down here. All we know is He just said, keep on following me. Peter looked over at John. He said, well, Lord, well, what about John? Jesus said, if I let him live to 2001, ain't none of your business. He said, if I let him live till I come again. If I let him live for 2,000 years, it ain't none of your business. I'm getting too comfortable with the English language down here, I'm telling you. He said, what is that to thee? Let me tell you something. Everybody on this side look over here, and everybody over here look over there. These are precious people. Okay, now look back at me. These are precious people you looked at. But you quit comparing yourself and what you have and what you don't have with somebody else in the house of God. Or what about your neighbors or this one or that one? You, God knows where you're at, how much money's in your bank, or how much money's not in your bank. He said, all you have to do is follow me. What is that to thee if they're healthy and you're not healthy? If they live to be 80 and you die at 40, you still follow me. God knows what he's doing. You've got to trust him. I don't care if her husband makes more money than yours does. You still keep following him. I've seen some folks look like they never had much all of their life. But they stayed faithful. Let me tell you, this right here is but a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. And all we have to do is just prove faithful right here. Oh, you be in every service you can be at. You come to church. You find your... Oh, I want to come in this church. I love brothers and sisters. I love how y'all pray before church. I hate to tell you this, but they don't do this everywhere. They don't pray like y'all praying. And you, y'all, you, you look for an excuse to worship God during church service. You just look for an opportunity. I commend you in Jesus' name. You keep on being faithful to the house of God. Keep on having church like you're having. I don't know when God's going to give you the biggest harvest you've ever heard of or known of, but I feel it in the air. I feel it coming. All you know to do is just keep on doing what you've been doing. Ah, you've got to trust Him. I believe that God is taking care of His business. God is going to give you a harvest. God is... Quit comparing your church to some other church. God knows what He's doing right here. God's going to give you everything you need here. This church is going to grow. You're going to have to build a bigger building because God is going to give you an awesome harvest. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, blessed God. Blessed God. Blessed God. Why don't we all just worship the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Entertain His presence right now. Oh, Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, 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 oh God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah to God. Church, I want you to know that God loves what he's seeing here. I want to encourage you to be faithful to God. Let, let, me, let me just commend your faithfulness to church here. And those of you that haven't been, you need to be. Let's find ourselves in church every service, putting our heart into to the work of God. We can get our eyes off on things that will distract us and keep us from having that unity that we need in the work of God in our own homes, in our own hearts. I want to tell you the devil does his best to distract us. And you can be like, you can be as precious a man as the Simon Peter was, but you can start worried about what happened to John. And what about Brother John over here? Listen, as wonderful as Brother John is, Brother John's got his own life. He has to live for God. And you let Brother John and God take care of their business, and you and God take care of your business, and keep your eyes on your own life. One of the worst things that you can do is start worrying about this one over here and say, well, people let me down, and brothers let me down, and sisters let me down, and this one here. and this. Listen, I'm telling you, you be faithful to God. The only requirement Jesus had of Peter was, follow thou me. Lord, I don't know why this just came to me, and I, I, I know enough to... to when I feel impressioned, I just go ahead and tell it. I woke up about 5 o'clock one morning. I, the scripture came to my mind, jealousy is cruel as a grave. And I woke my wife up. I said, what does jealousy cruel as a grave mean? She looked at me and said, I don't know. You're the preacher. <laughs> and I got up and I got my Bible and I looked at that. And it didn't make heads or tails to me. What does it mean cruel as a grave? Jealousy, cruel as a grave. I went to church that night. I got me a, one of these Halloween masks. It was about October time. I got one of the kind that just comes right, a little, little black thing comes right across your eyes. Lone Ranger kind of mask. I said, my name is Jealousy. And I got some girl about 12, 13 years old. I got me a drumstick. And I made the girl's mom and her older sister go stand over there. And I took that stick and I poked this girl on the side. I said, your mama loves your sister more than she loves you. 
I made some of the other girls in the church go stand with her sister, and I poked her again. I said, those are your best friends, or what you think is your best friends. They really, your sister is their best friend. They just put up with you so they can be with her. I poked her. And I made... Used her daddy as an example of a boyfriend walking through the mall and her walk with him. And I made some other girls walk by the other direction. I made her walk back about a half a step so she could see whether or not he was looking at the other girls when they walked by. And I was poking her. See, he's, he's looking. He's looking at the other girls. And I got it to church where somebody else got to play the piano and she didn't get to play the piano and I got to poking her. This one got to sing the lead, and she didn't get to sing the lead. And this one got to teach Sunday school class, and you didn't get to teach Sunday school class. And this one got chosen, and this one got to, you know, date him, and you didn't get to date him. And I got all that. And this one's, now you're married. And I said, this one's, this one's dressing their baby with prettier dresses, and you got to dress your baby with. And her husband makes more money than your husband makes. Man, I just... I probably used 40 people in illustrating that message, and people would feed me stuff from the audience, and we was laughing and having a good time, just teaching the Bible class. I prayed a prayer dismissal. Man, some young woman drug her baby across the aisle and walked right up my wife's face and said, Your husband has to hate me to preach like that. I'm taking my babies and never coming back here. I thought of all the sermons to drag somebody out of the woodwork. Who would have known she had jealousy unless she exposed herself? Listen, you can spend your life, and jealousy is cruel as a grave, folks. You can spend your life sitting there looking at everybody else and what they have and what kind of car they have. Quit playing games keeping up with the Joneses. and Quit playing all them kind of games. You just keep on following the Lord. And you keep on being faithful. And you watch God bless you. And you watch God use you. Because where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Envy and strife is the mama and daddy of all your problems. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. Well, I didn't get all the places I wanted to get with this message this morning, but let me just tell you that you've got to be willing to trust Him. I'm, I'm a blessed man. God's given me a wonderful wife, precious children. He's given me health. He supplied my needs. I don't have any complaints. I can't think of anything that I need. I'm, I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got a revelation of who Jesus is. I've got more than I deserve. You know, we feel like we're pretty poor here. All you need to do is just take a little trip over to some foreign country and you realize how rich we are right here. We are, we're kind of cursed with materialism. We get looking at things and we feel like this is the status of who we are or who we aren't. Listen, all that should be taking place right in here. Because you could have nothing in this world and have Jesus and still be rich. You know the old song, I'm a poor rich man? Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet and lift our hands and to God praise Him and worship Him right now. Why don't we do that? Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. To every person seeking the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what my text, my subject title is. You've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him to forgive you. You've got to trust Him. People say, well, you know, all you've got to do is just only believe. Well, really, that's how you do get the Holy Ghost. You have to believe. The night I got the Holy Ghost, I got it in just a few minutes. And I, I had sought the Holy Ghost for a long time. Made me so aggravated at myself to see how quick I really did was able to get it when everything got to the right place in here. But you've got to believe that He loves you, that He will forgive you. I, I didn't tell about stopping by this boy's house. The Lord impressed me to stop by this, this boy's house and tell him that I loved him. That I told you about that, that was going to commit suicide. Can I tell you that that young man found himself being used of God in a very special way. But church, when you feel your lowest and you feel in despair, you've got to believe that God loves you enough to be there for you no matter what you're going through. Would you do me a favor and just come and stand there without even a song today? Just come and stand around the front. Praise God. Praise God. It's kind of an unusual service here today, and I, this is not what you expected. I apologize. I just felt impressed to talk to you about trusting in the Lord. But I'm, I, I'm believing God for souls to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm believing my faith is that tonight somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost. I want to see these waters of baptism troubled tonight. Amen. I want to see some healings happen while we're here. Not just because I'm here, but because God's here. I'm just simple enough to believe God still does everything He has done and can do, and He hasn't stopped doing it. And He is no respecter of persons. What He does someplace else, He can do it just right here. This place, why not this place? Why not generate? Why not y'all? Well, would you, would you, brother, just kind of put your arm over on your brother's shoulder and your sister's over on your sister's shoulder? And I just want us to pray for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this service today and tonight. I pray that you ask God to bless them, to use them for His glory. Ask God to give them shoes for the road that they're going through. If they're going through a difficult time, a trial, a test, that God will give them strength for all their tomorrows. Help them to make it through this particular day. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Oh God, we ask for your help. We ask for your guidance, your strength. Give us the power of the Holy Ghost to help us through our problem today. God, we ask for your direction. We ask for your guidance. 
We ask for victory in the Holy Ghost. We ask for deliverance for this problem. We ask for the spirit of healing to come to this place. And may men and women be healed of all manners of diseases. May souls be filled with the Holy Ghost. I ask for conviction in the services. I ask for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in an awesome manifestation as never before. Oh my God, we need your help here. Glory to God, glory to God. Lift up your voice to the Lord today. Magnify Him. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, blessed be the Lord. Well, we know it's a beautiful experience to trust in Jesus. It really is. Not just one day or one week, but for a lifetime. It's the greatest in the world to find your place in the walk of God. And have your prayer life. And, and uh, amen, just trust in the Lord. I've done that a long time. My mama raised me that way. She did. So glad. Amen. So thankful. We're blessed, aren't we? I appreciate the rich and wonderful word of the Lord. I appreciate when a man of God will take his own life and use it to to help us. Amen. Don't ever forget that the ministry, amen, walks the same valleys, Troubles, trials, problems in our homes, our children, our family that you do. We're all in this together. Thank God. Appreciate the good word of the Lord.